This is Dr. Courtney Tracy, also known as the Truth Doctor. Welcome to Your Unconscious is Showing, a no BS podcast platform created to discuss the underlying truths beneath our daily lives and what and who we think we are. Today's episode is on anxiety, its various presentations in terms of symptomatology, how it can be both good and bad for us, and how we can begin to cope with our anxiety. I discuss how anxiety shows up physically, psychologically, cognitively, and spiritually. I'm excited for you all to hear it. If you enjoy this episode, please leave a written review on Apple Podcasts if you're listening through that platform. All of these podcasts are free and they take a lot of work. Having reviews will allow me to gain sponsorships to support the time and effort it takes to put these episodes together. Also, I would appreciate you taking a screenshot of the episode and having you share it with your loved ones on social media and tagging both your unconscious is showing and the period truth period doctor so I know you loved it. The more people who hear these truth messages, the more the world is getting better a little at a time. Enjoy! Hello everyone and welcome to episode 5 of Your Unconscious is Showing. My name is Dr. Courtney Tracy. I am known on social media as The Truth Doctor and today I want to talk to you guys about anxiety. So a lot of the times when I am trying to choose the topic for my podcast episodes, I ask my followers on Instagram, um, I give them a poll and or I give them a fill in the blank. And so over the last month, I have received consistent requests to do a podcast on anxiety. And for those of you who have found me just on my podcast, I want you to know that I have a website, thetruthdoctor.com, and it has free mental health courses for a variety of different mental health ailments or symptoms or topics and categories. One of them is, one of the courses is called, What is Anxiety Really? And so essentially, I have broken down my perspective on anxiety. I've broken down anxiety itself into the various ways that it presents in terms of symptomology in human beings. And so what I'm gonna basically be doing is giving you a summarization of my course from the Truth Seekers community. That's what my online community is called that you can find at thetruthdoctor.com. I'm going to be summarizing the course that is called, What is Anxiety Really? Now, the course is broken down into eight lessons and the lessons have spanned over an entire month. So there is a lot of content in the course and again, it's free. So if you haven't already taken it and if you find this podcast to be helpful, I would highly recommend that you enroll yourself in the course. It has a maximum capacity of 20,000 students and probably throughout the time that I'm filming this podcast, which is on Sunday, September 27th, we will probably cross over 16,000. So that's a lot of people, which means there's still 4,000 spots, but I have only been having this community for two months. And so if you do the math, it's going to max out at capacity very, very soon. So again, if you enjoy this podcast, called What is Anxiety Really? Then I highly suggest that you check out my online free course called What is Anxiety Really? which you can find at thetruthdoctor.com. The first thing that is really important for everyone to know when it comes to anxiety is that everyone has anxiety. And I think it's super important that I repeat that again, that everyone has anxiety and or everyone has the potential to feel anxiety because anxiety is a survival mechanism. We are born with the ability to be anxious and, and that can be taken in a few different ways. And I want you to know that the debilitating anxiety that we feel, the anxiety that's tied to our cognition, the anxiety that's tied to the thoughts and the emotions that we have in our minds and the debilitating anxiety, physical and spiritual symptoms that we may experience. While we are born with what is within ourselves, the ability to feel those things, we aren't necessarily born as though we are supposed to experience those things because anxiety gets twisted. And that's really what I wanna to talk to you guys about on this podcast is that while we are born 
with the ability to be anxious in a variety of different ways, our life experiences, the ones that we experience internally and the ones that we experience externally and interpersonally, those experiences create us to have this new experience of anxiety that <laughs> it, it's not what evolution had in mind. It's not the, the reason that we have the ability to feel anxiety is not so that we can be debilitated by it. That's just not the point of it. But over the course of our lives, what happens is that the anxiety becomes debilitating. The anxiety becomes the go-to survival mechanism. The anxiety becomes what our body and our minds believe is what we need in order to overcome different circumstances in our lives, whatever those may be. And we will get into what some of those circumstances are that can cause us to experience debilitating anxiety, that can cause us to go from just having anxiety to having an anxiety disorder. And then also ways that we can combat our anxiety and the way that we can take back control of our anxiety instead of our anxiety having control over us. And I also wanna talk in this podcast, which I'll just go into right now, is the stigma related to anxiety and the fact that anxiety is normal. Anxiety is important. But anxiety has a negative connotation because anxiety, again, has become so debilitating in our society and across the world that when you say, I have anxiety, or you hear someone say, I have anxiety, that, that it becomes a bad thing. And it doesn't always have to be a bad thing. Anxiety can be good for us. The intention, the purpose of anxiety is for it to be good for us. And so it becomes not good for us when it becomes disordered when we start to experience a disordered level or a disordered upbringing or a disordered prevalence of anxiety in our own lives, again, because of things that we've experienced internally, externally, or interpersonally. And anxiety can show up physically, cognitively, psychologically, and, and spiritually. And I'm gonna go into how that happens and then things that you can do during each of those circumstances to help you lower your anxiety because Lord fucking knows that 2020 has been a year of either realizing that we have the potential to feel anxiety that we never felt like we could have before or having our anxiety turn into an anxiety disorder, having our anxiety disorder get worse, one that we already had prior to quarantine, prior to and pre-COVID-19. And some people who have had anxiety or had an anxiety disorder and through the process of 2020 have actually experienced a decrease in both anxiety and or their anxiety disorder. So first of all, anxiety is evolutionary. We are supposed to have anxiety. There is a major difference between anxiety and an anxiety disorder, and I want to tell you what the difference between those two things are. Normal anxiety occurs during stressful situations. So if you have a really intense test coming up for school or in terms of placement for a job that you may be going into, or if you hear a loud car crash right down the street from you, or if there's an earthquake or a natural disaster, our body and our mind's response will be an anxiety response because what is happening in our body and in our mind when we're experiencing anxiety is that our mind and our body is indicating. It's putting out a signal uh, that there is something that may make us get harmed physically or psychologically or that may place us in danger physically or psychologically either way. And so it's a signal. Anxiety is a signal that there is a level of stress, a level of danger, or a level of harm that is happening, has happened, or that we perceive to happen in the future. So that is a normal response. That's a normal anxiety response. When we are experiencing a stressful situation, a dangerous situation, a harmful situation, having anxiety is a normal response. So you can have anxiety and you don't have to have an anxiety disorder. Now, when does anxiety become disordered? Anxiety becomes disordered in a variety of different ways. One, anxiety can become disordered. And I also wanna mention briefly that anxiety can be disordered and you don't necessarily have to have a specific anxiety disorder. There are certain diagnoses that have been developed because there is a pattern of symptomology, meaning 
certain anxiety experiences show up in certain ways. And the reason why anxiety disorders exist, the various list of the names of different types of anxiety disorders is so that they can become operationalized. And what that means is that researchers and doctors and therapists and psychologists and individuals who are experiencing these symptoms can say, this is the name for the list of symptoms that I experience. So what researchers, doctors, and psychologists, therapists, counselors can do is they can say, let's get a population, a group of people that are all experiencing these similar symptoms and let's do some research and some studies to figure out if there are certain interventions, certain medications, certain experiences that these people have experienced that cause them to have these symptoms or that can help these people that have experienced these symptoms. And so that's why there's a label. That's why anxiety disorders have a label. You can experience anxiety in a disordered fashion and it doesn't necessarily have to fall under any of the categories that already exist. And so that's just something to keep in mind is that you can have an anxiety disorder that's identified, operationalized, defined in our society today in the DSM, the most up-to-date um, edition that we have of the DSM, which is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, or you can have anxiety that's disordered, or you can have anxiety. So anxiety is not a bad thing. I mean, in general, anxiety is not a bad thing, but it's important to know that you can have anxiety, disordered anxiety, or a current anxiety disorder. So anxiety happens in a disordered fashion when it occurs outside of a stressful situation, when it occurs prolonged after a stressful situation, and then if it, if it arises without any potential cause. And also you can have anxiety if you continue to be exposed to a stressful environment or a stressful situation and you continue to have prolonged anxiety, you can have an anxiety disorder because you haven't been able to reduce the level of anxiety that you've been experiencing for quite some time. And now even when you leave that situation that's causing you anxiety, the anxiety remains because at this point being anxious is your baseline because of how long you have had to be anxious against your own will or through conditioned habitual patterns. So normal anxiety is a response to a stressful or potentially stressful, harmful or dangerous situation. And once the situation is resolved, the anxiety also resolves itself over time. Disordered anxiety is when your anxiety is starting to impact your life in a negative way in a variety of different circumstances. So your anxiety can be disordered if it's affecting your relationships, your work, your school, um, your own ability to take care of yourself and get things done, complete your activities of daily life. And so disordered anxiety can become disordered when it is affecting your life in a negative way. And then, so you can go from normal anxiety, normal anxiety, to disordered anxiety, to an anxiety disorder. And so this is another huge difference between having disordered anxiety and an anxiety disorder. Disordered anxiety can be where just the symptom of anxiety is affecting your life in a negative way. Anxiety disorders, currently, um, on the other hand, they, anxiety is not the only symptom of an anxiety disorder. There are so many different symptoms related to anxiety disorder, like generalized anxiety disorder. It doesn't just say you have anxiety in general circumstances or general situations. It says you have anxiety and you have irritability and you have restlessness and you have difficulty sleeping and you have a hard time concentrating. And so there's, there's a bunch of different symptoms in anxiety disorders that are not just anxiety. And so there are three different categories that I'm making for this podcast and that I'm not just making up, that I'm using and categorizing for you guys to understand anxiety better. There is normal anxiety. There is disordered anxiety, which is not a diagnosis. And then there's diagnoses of anxiety disorders that come along with many different symptoms other than just anxiety. So take a moment and think to yourself, do you have an anxiety disorder that has been diagnosed? And have you realized that 
that there are other symptoms that are that you're experiencing and that are occurring in your life that are the reasons why you've been given an anxiety disorder because your anxiety is in alignment with other symptoms as well. So take a moment. Do you have an anxiety disorder that's been diagnosed or do you think that you have an anxiety disorder because you have other symptoms that arise instead of just anxiety? And then if you've been thinking, oh, I have an anxiety disorder, but now you're learning that anxiety can be disordered, if you're just experiencing the stress and you're just experiencing the panic or just experiencing the anxiety, that you may just have disordered anxiety and not an anxiety disorder. And you also may just have anxiety if your anxiety is situational based in stressful, harmful, or dangerous perceived or actual situations, and then your anxiety lessens through coping skills or through time, then you may just have anxiety. So take a moment and think, do I have anxiety? Do I have disordered anxiety? Or may I have an anxiety disorder? allow yourself to think about that for a moment what we're going to do is we're going to get into how anxiety shows up in a variety of different ways and that may help you with answering that question do you have anxiety do you have an anxiety disorder or do you have disordered anxiety something that has been really helpful for people that i've worked with people that have gone through my what is anxiety really course has been understanding that our level of anxiety is directly related to our level of feeling safe and our level of feeling capable of making ourselves feel safe in any given situation. So I think that that's super important. The more safe that we feel, typically the less anxiety that we're going to feel. And the, and the less safe that we feel, the more anxiety that we are prone to and more than likely going to experience. Our level of anxiety is related to our level of feeling safe. And that's super important for us to realize because a lot of the times when we are in anxiety, we feel unsafe. And we don't realize that our anxiety is trying to keep us safe, even though it's acknowledging that we're unsafe. So if our level of safety has gone down, our anxiety is trying to get us to a point where we can save ourselves, where we can be safe. So if we were already feeling safe, then, then our need for anxiety would decrease. And that is a general theoretical explanation. And of course, there are a bunch of different variables that can make that change. But more than likely and most commonly accepted in the field of psychology is that the safer that you feel, the less anxiety that you're going to experience. Anxiety is trying to keep you safe by telling you that you are unsafe. So when we're in anxiety, like we just feel really fucking unsafe. We go, our mind and our body is giving us this signal that we are unsafe. We're in danger, we're really stressed out, we are in harm's way. And so we focus on that. What we focus on is that we that our body is telling us, our mind is telling us that something is wrong and we are unsafe. We don't realize that the reason that our anxiety is doing that is because it's trying to protect us. It's not trying to just tell you that the world is falling apart. It's not trying to just tell you for no reason that you should be having this crazy physiological response to something, even if it's a perceived danger that isn't actually dangerous because of a history of trauma, for example. Your anxiety is not just trying to debilitate you. It's trying to help you survive. And one of the main things that we want to work on, that you would work on with someone in therapy or that you could work on if you're going through a journey of self-healing, is realizing that there is a reason, there is a conditioned reason we are constantly being conditioned. There is a conditioned reason why you have that level of anxiety that you have. There is a conditioned reason why you have that anxious response to those certain situations that you have that aren't just stressful, dangerous, or harmful situations. And what we have to do is we have to take a look at why does our body and our mind need or have the need to tell us that we are in danger, that we are in harm's way, or that we are experiencing a stressful situation when in fact we're not. 
why does our body and our mind feel so much like it needs to protect us in moments when we don't actually need protecting and that's what we need to take a look at anxiety is sort of like a smoke detector in our body and in our mind and when we've felt unsafe for a long time when we've been in situations where we've had to experience anxiety for as long as we have had to experience it for some of us in our lives that smoke detector becomes really sensitive and you know how the smoke detector in your kitchen for example can go off sometimes when you're cooking pasta the water is boiling too much you cooked bacon in a pan and then you're rinsing it off in the sink and the smoke is coming up and it's not actually a fire but the smoke detector perceives it as a fire and starts beeping. It starts beeping, it's super loud. You can't concentrate, you're trying to focus and you can't and you just wanna turn that thing the fuck off because it's aggravating and it's all consuming. That is what disordered anxiety or an anxiety disorder is gonna feel like. It's gonna feel like your smoke alarm, it's going to be your internal smoke alarm going off during situations when there isn't danger, you're not in harm's way and you don't need to be stressed out. And so it's important to realize your anxiety is trying to alert you to danger and it's subconscious. Our anxiety subconsciously believes that there are many things that need our attention in order to survive them when in fact it doesn't. And one of the main ways that I support people in realizing that the evolutionary purpose of our anxiety has been diminished and diluted and confused and has become instead a way a survival like there's evolutionary anxiety that we need to survive and then there's the current anxiety that someone's experiencing where they feel like they need to survive in moments when they don't need to survive so the smoke detector is fucked up and we have to figure out how do we re-regulate ourselves the main way that i help people do that is we so our anxiety subconscious, all these reasons why our anxiety comes up when we don't need it to is subconscious. It's in our unconscious. And what we do is we take our conscious mind, we take that we know that our anxiety is happening at inappropriate times. That's our consciousness. That's our actual self saying, this, I don't like this. I don't want to get anxious all the time. I know that I don't need to. I know I don't need to, you know, that's why you're in therapy. That's why you're trying to heal yourself. That's why you're listening to this podcast. So you take that thought process, you take the real you, the true you that says, I want to work on my anxiety. And you take that conscious desire, that conscious awareness, and you bring it into your subconscious. And you say, I need to take a look at what's going on in this smoke detector. Why is it so sensitive? What is it thinking it needs to pick up on that it doesn't actually need to pick up on? And how can we reprogram our body and our mind so that we can have anxiety in moments when we need it and not have anxiety in moments that we don't? So to recap, anxiety is normal. Anxiety is evolutionarily important for our survival. There is a difference between anxiety, disordered anxiety, and an anxiety disorder. And anxiety, our level of anxiety is related to our level of safety. And we need to reprogram our subconscious, our unconscious, by bringing consciousness into all of the subconscious and unconscious reasons why our anxiety has gotten disordered and or why we have developed an anxiety disorder. And some of you listening to this podcast need to realize that you're not gonna be able to live a life without the at least the ability to experience anxiety because anxiety is normal and we need it for survival. So the stigmatization around anxiety is ridiculous because we need it. If we didn't experience anxiety, we would go a million miles an hour on the freeway. We would jump off of buildings and Feel like we were just going to land safely anxiety is our awareness that as much as we want to believe the world is a safe place which it is there are also there's also danger out there we also have to look out for ourselves and i tell people that anxiety is like a very very overprotective best friend because think about it what's going on when you experience anxiety in your head which we'll get into in, in a little bit but basically it's like, don't do that. 
you're not gonna be good at that, this keeps happening, be really careful. And it's sound, like you can, I, I want you to try to imagine that your anxiety is like an overprotective best friend. And you just need to say, like, you need to chill out. Everything's gonna be okay right now. And that's sort of finding your power and we're gonna get into that a little bit. Um, but again, anxiety is normal. Anxiety can be disordered, it can be normal. You can have an anxiety disorder. Anxiety is related to your level of safety and we need to take a look at how you can figure out how does your anxiety specifically show up for you? Like what is anxiety really for you? So let's get into that now. Anxiety shows up in my opinion in three different ways. It shows up physically, it shows up cognitively and psychologically, and then it shows up spiritually. And a lot of people don't talk about spiritual anxiety, sacred anxiety, neuroexistentialism. I'm going to get into that towards the end of this podcast. But let's start with what is, what is anxiety physically? So how does it show up for us and why does it show up that way? So anxiety can show up for us in a few different ways when it comes to it showing up physically. First off, do a reflection. Think about how your anxiety shows up for you physically. I'm gonna name off some symptoms and just think, I don't know if you're in the car, if you're taking notes, whatever it is, think about how your anxiety shows up for you physically. So this is how my anxiety shows up for me and I am a really fucking anxious person. I have so much anxiety. I know where it came from, came from my childhood, came from always putting my always making my plate really really full so that you know it's like i'm comfortable with the amount of anxiety because it's gotten me to where i am today and i'm really trying to work on it because mainly my anxiety is physically and my anxiety shows up physically in all of these ways so please know that i'm not just a therapist that's on here listing out the symptoms of anxiety for you i understand how anxiety shows up I've experienced anxiety, I experience anxiety, I'm sure I will experience anxiety again. My anxiety is definitely disordered. I may have an anxiety disorder because I also experience some other symptoms and that's okay, by the way. If you're listening to this, you wanna be a therapist, you are a therapist, you can have anxiety because you're human and you've had a lot of life experiences. So that's just a side note and I'm throwing that out there. Now, here is how anxiety shows up physically. It can show up as increased heart rate. It can show up as heavy breathing or holding your breath. It can show up as dizziness. It can show up as nausea. It can show up as having your gastrointestinal system messed up. So you can have GI tract issues. It can show up as headaches. It can show up as sweating. It can show up as feeling really cold or feeling really hot. It can show up as you having muscle aches and being constantly fatigued and feeling like you have no energy or feeling like you have extreme energy because the way that you reduce your anxiety is by constantly doing things over and over and over again. And there is good anxiety and there is bad anxiety. Now, why do we experience these physical symptoms when we are anxious? Like why does our body react in a way that we consider to be anxiety? Now, again, we're going back to why we have anxiety in the first place. We have anxiety because prior to living in a modern civilization, prior to living in really almost any type of civilization, we had to fend for ourselves. And the world was a much more dangerous place in a different way then than it is now. Now the world is still a very dangerous place, but we don't have to be concerned about the same types of dangers. Now the dangers that we used to have to handle we're like lions and bears attacking us and needing to constantly be on the lookout for any type of physical danger or harm or stress that we may find ourselves in. And so we are developed evolutionarily to run, to hide, to freeze, and over the course of human life, we've also developed a psychological response called fawning. So that was flight, flee, freeze, and then fawn, which is where we give in to whatever it is that's causing us stress or whoever it is that's traumatizing us or whatever. It's a psychological response to align with 
whatever it is that's causing us trauma or anxiety to because we want to appease that situation or that person and that's psychological which we'll get into physically we need to be able to fight we need to be able to freeze and we need to be able to flee if we need to. Now, our first two responses to anxiety are to fight back, to defend ourselves. And so we may get angry, we may lash out, we may physically attack someone. And, and so what do we need? Let's take the example of the lion, a lion coming after us. Physically, the first two, there's two first responses that we may experience, that we may want to experience. The first one is fight. And so what happens when we need to fight? Fight and flee, fight and flee. So, or fight and flight. You can say those either way. And so what does our body need in order to fight or in our order to flight or flee? What we need is we need blood and oxygen to go to our major muscles so that we can get the fuck out of there out of that situation or so that we can attack that situation and so what happens is we're going to experience increased heart rate so we can get our blood pumping more we're going to experience increased breathing so that we can get oxygen and blood going to the places that we need to um, and then we're also going to experience a lot of brain changes so the front part of our brain is going to shut down and the survival part of our brain is going to activate itself more so that in the moment, the most important thing that's going on for us is that our body is reacting. Our body has enough blood, our body has enough oxygen, our muscles are coordinated, and we are ready to get the hell out of there or fight if we need to. And those are usually our first two responses, and those are activated by the sympathetic nervous system. It's part of our nervous system that says, get up, let's go, let's do it. And so that that is the physical response of anxiety now if those two things can't happen if you can't fight and if you can't flee or flight then the next thing that our body is going to go to that our mind is going to go to in order to survive is we're going to freeze we're going to freeze because we don't think that we have enough time to get the hell out of there and we don't think that we can attack back and so we freeze now why do we freeze we freeze because we, a few things. One, we wanna become as unnoticeable as possible. So if this lion's coming after us, we know that we can't attack the lion. We know that we can't run from the lion. So if we freeze, maybe the lion won't see us. Now I realize that I'm wearing <laughs> cheetah and I have it right here. So maybe we're just going really jungle theme here for those of you that are watching this on YouTube. Um, but we freeze. We freeze because we don't want to be seen. And we freeze because we want, and you know, everything shuts down. If for some reason we, the lion doesn't see us when we're frozen, then we also need to reserve as much energy as we can to stay there for as long as we may need to. So a lot of our systems shut down in order, in order to survive as well. And so let's talk about this. Those responses, fighting, fleeing, or flighting or freezing, they completely make sense in the situation where a lion is coming after us to attack us. It just makes sense. When we are experiencing, let's say that we are in an argument with someone and we're starting to experience really intense anxiety because the argument came out of nowhere, we don't know what to say back, we feel like we're being attacked and it's sort of like our body and our mind is reacting in a way like there's a lion attacking us or a lion coming after us or the potential for a lion to come after us. So we're experiencing those similar symptoms, but it becomes extremely uncomfortable because our body is reacting as if we are about to be attacked and killed when we're actually just in an argument with someone, either a partner or a parent or a colleague or whoever it is. And our body is feeling so alarmed and so put in danger that it's reacting with this physical response of anxiety and it can be so debilitating and that is part of how we can figure out how we can work on our anxiety is in what situations around what people what thoughts what future predictions what past memories do we experience all of these things that cause us to feel like we're being attacked by a lion we really have to figure out what triggers us and why what has triggered us in the past 
And then how has that carried over into the future and what is currently triggering us? Now, here's something that's really good for you guys to know about the physical responses to anxiety. When you're growing up, your parents play a major role in whether or not you are going to have a, an intense physical reaction to anxiety or not. And here is why. Our nervous system is developing over our developmental years, okay? From the moment that we're born until we are 18 years old or whenever we have reached a point of adulthood where we're independent, where we can make our own choices um, and begin to regulate ourselves if we are in, in a dysregulated home environment. Your parents have control to a degree over your body, your mind, and your spirit. You know, whether or not they're acknowledging your spirit, which we'll get into. But going back to physical anxiety, if you were in a household where there was dysregulation, where there was neglect, where there was abuse, where there was yelling, where there was violence, where there was alcohol and drug use, where your parent was inconsistent and unreliable, or you had to parent yourself, um, or you were told that you didn't matter, that's going to dysregulate your nervous system. So if you experience an authority figure, like let's say your father, for example, constantly yelling at you, or you experience your mother so constantly under the influence of alcohol and saying stupid shit to you all of the time, that's hurting you emotionally and that's making you feel fearful that you're not physically safe, then you're going to experience these spikes of anxiety with no ability to be regulated. No ability to have the people that should help you regulate yourself in anxious situations help you regulate yourself because they're the ones that are causing you dysregulation. That's very important for you to realize is I, I want you to take a look at any experiences, any exposures, any interpersonal relationships, any power struggles, any traumatic events that you experienced in your childhood or that you experienced in your adulthood that may have contributed to the fact that your anxiety shows up for you physically in moments when they don't necessarily, when you don't necessarily need it. So if you have this dysregulated nervous system and you're constantly feeling like any authority figure is causing you anxiety or you don't have anyone around you to help you regulate your anxiety or ever being called out on anything that you didn't do perfect is causing you anxiety, then it can make sense why when you're a, an adult and your boss sends you an email, that's a pretty neutral email, but because they're an authority figure to you, you start having this really physical response, this anxious response, like you did something wrong and you don't know if you're okay and you just start freaking out and you have to you know you have to take a look at why why are you having this intense physical anxious response in a in a, in, a, in a potentially and probably neutral situation and so it makes sense that we have the physical symptoms of anxiety it makes sense that we have anxiety and we have to figure out why like I want you to know that any anxiety, any physical anxiety that you may experience in any moment, whether or not it's validated to be happening in that moment, there's a reason and it makes sense. It may not make sense in the context of the moment, but it makes sense for who you are as a person and why you experience those physical symptoms of anxiety in those specific situations. And that's where the work comes in. That's where taking a look at how all of your past experiences, all of your past anxious and anxiety provoking experiences that are subconscious, go in, look there. That's the point of therapy. And you really don't necessarily need a therapist in order to do that because you can learn to regulate your own anxiety. But we are also, like I always say, connective beings and co-regulation activates other parts of our body and our mind. That is super important because we're connective beings. We're interpersonal. We're meant to be in a tribe. We're meant to be in a community. There are parts of our brain that make us capable of doing that. And we feel better when we activate those parts of ourselves. So we have to look inward. What past experiences did we experience that caused us anxiety, that caused us to have a dysregulated nervous system that we've brought into adulthood or that happened in adulthood, early in adulthood, recently in adulthood, and now we are experiencing these frequent 
uprootings of anxiety in situations when we don't necessarily need it. So there's a reason our nervous system intentionally does certain things like increases our heart rate, increases our breathing. We may hold our breath. That's a sign of freezing. We're holding our breath. We're trying to become unseen. And um, it's, you know, our GI issues, our nausea, those things occur because there is something called the vagus nerve. And the vagus nerve runs straight from our gut up into the areas of our brain that allow us to recognize faces and see facial expressions and experience the mirroring of interactions with other people. And so literally the parts of ourselves that experience interpersonal and physical anxiety are attached to our stomach and they are attached to why we can experience so many chronic illnesses from anxiety, from the physical experiences of anxiety because our heart is being affected, our lungs are being affected, our, our nerves are being affected, our immune system gets affected on an unconscious level, and, and so many other things happen. And so it's important to figure out how does your anxiety show up for you physically? What is your actual experience? What is anxiety really for you on a physical sense? And then think back to moments when your nervous system had that same reaction because that's where you need to start looking if you want to start working on your anxiety and dealing with the physical symptoms. And so that's one way that you can dive into it. And another coping skill, you guys, when it for the physical experiences of anxiety is meditation, yoga, stretching, dancing, EMDR, all of these things that where you are engaging in bilateral stimulation so you're activating both parts of your brain at the same time a lot of the times anxiety comes from trauma trauma splits different parts of your brain in order for you to survive that traumatic experience and fusing those parts of your brain or having them activated together helps reduce and release the trauma that you may be experiencing that can be causing your anxiety but also Clearly, anxiety can be stored and can have a habitual conditioned physical pattern in your body. And you can't cure anxiety if you don't start to actually let your body experience new feelings, calm feelings, expansive feelings, feelings of movement, feelings of freedom, feelings of creativity, because we do not experience those things when our body is in a position where we have to freeze or have to fight or have to run. The creative parts, the freeing parts, the joyful parts, the pleasurable parts, the creative parts of our mind shut off. And it's reactivating those parts of your body that help you reduce your anxiety. So if you feel like, oh, I've been trying to work on my anxiety in the therapy room and, and I've been doing it for a year and I still feel anxious, you need to start fucking moving. You need to start moving your body. Your anxiety is stored in your body as well as in your mind, as well as in your spirit. So please consider that. And now let's talk about what is anxiety psychologically. Anxiety psychologically has to do with our thoughts, and our emotions. Now we have this running train of thought processes that occur and that thought process develops in the exact same way that our physical processes and physical patterns and conditioned habitual ways of acting physically, consciously or subconsciously. It shows our, our cognition is the exact same way. Our, our thoughts and our emotions become conditioned. And the thoughts and the emotions that are tied to anxiety that I definitely experience, that I'm sure that you experience if you are listening to this episode and you experience anxiety, it they show up as apprehension and dreadfulness and constant reminders of stress and feeling overwhelmed and nervous and being on edge or feeling jumpy or feeling irritated. And it can also show up as engaging in risky and self-destructive behaviors because we just want to numb our anxiety. We don't want to have to feel the emotions of anxiety anymore. We don't want to have to feel the thoughts that are associated with our anxiety anymore. We can not want to leave our homes. We can have thoughts that tell us that going outside is dangerous. We can have thoughts that engaging with other people are dangerous. Like our, our thoughts when it comes to anxiety 
are trying to prevent us from being exposed again to situations that can be harmful, dangerous, or stressful. Because our body and our mind, I'm gonna say this over and over again, probably on all of my podcasts, is that our body and our mind is trying to protect us. So all these thoughts, this running reel of thoughts that we're experiencing, it's trying to protect us. It's trying to tell us, don't do that. You're not gonna be good at it. Don't go around those people. They're not gonna like you and you don't like when you feel vulnerable. You don't like when you get judged. And so it's this crazy overprotective friend in our head that's saying, don't do anything that might make you feel uncomfortable. Don't do anything that that might make you feel anxiety. Because it's trying to protect us, but it can really limit us as well. Sort of like an overprotective parent. It's like, I don't want you to go out. I want you to be home early. I don't want you to talk to those people. I only want you to do this. And it's limiting our ability to be independent and be free and be creative and do the things in life that we want to do. Because no one ever became successful doing things that were safe and doing things that were easy. We got to where we're at today by taking risks, by being open to failure, and by learning and exposing yourself to new things that may make you uncomfortable, but that you can get comfortable with down the line. Now, having anxiety that's disordered or having an anxiety disorder can definitely contribute and have really anxious, provoking, and anxiously activated thoughts and emotions. So those were some of the emotions and some of the thoughts, but they can also be some of these things you can experience as well. Like, I have to be perfect. I will never be good at that. I know that they don't love me. I know that I'm not worthy. Things like that, it's like, or that's going to be dangerous. You're not gonna be good at that. You're gonna get hurt by those people or you're gonna fail at that job. You know, all of these things that come up. So we're experiencing the thing physically, we're experiencing the anxiety physically, and then we also have all of these emotions and all of these thoughts that are attached. And so I understand why anxiety can be so debilitating because like seriously, it just is. And that's sort of the intention. That's sort of the intention of anxiety is to like make you pause and protect yourself. So it can be debilitating. Sometimes the intention is to be debilitating, like to freeze, but it's not intended to be debilitating your whole life. It's not intended to not allow you to feel free and create relationships and take risks and be successful and be creative. That's not the intention of anxiety. And it's, it's when we don't really understand the point of anxiety and that anxiety is supposed to be good for us. Like when we don't understand it, it starts to debilitate us even more because we take the stigma of anxiety. We take all of the negative thoughts and emotions that we're having. We're taking that our body feels out of control and we're just going, I can't believe I have anxiety, I can't handle this. And it just gets so overwhelming. So the thoughts and the emotions play a huge role in the fact that anxiety can be so debilitating because of course, the physical symptoms of anxiety can be debilitating, but if you have a constant reel of thoughts in your head, and if you're constantly bombarded by emotions in your body and in your mind that are telling you that the world is super dangerous and the world is super harmful and you're never gonna be good enough and you should constantly be stressed out or you're never gonna be okay, then I understand how anxiety can just be the end all of any attempts to try, any attempts to feel like you're gonna be okay and those thoughts and emotions take away your ability to feel like a normal person because they're literally telling you that you're not, that you need to be careful and that you should be scared. And this isn't always at your conscious awareness. Sometimes it's just this underlying feeling this underlying emotion, this underlying thought of being incapable and needing to be afraid. So that's how anxiety shows up psychologically and cognitively. And I understand how debilitating it can be. And I'm here to tell you that although there is a reason and although you have been conditioned to have those emotions and have those thoughts um, in terms of your anxiety, you can reduce them. You can tell them that you don't need to be so protected anymore. And of course that comes with trust. 
and that comes with a balance of new experiences where you are able to succeed and you are able to feel calm and you are able to have power in those situations and be respected and be loved and and be accomplished and so i know it takes trust but i want you to know that it's possible it's possible to regulate your nervous system it's possible to challenge the distorted cognitions that you have and to reduce the negative emotions and the anxious feelings that you may have from your past life or whatever it is that you may be experiencing in the moment. How does our anxiety get so distorted? Well, one, it has to do with our distorted beliefs. Two, it has to do with cognitive appraisals, which I'll get into. Three, it has to do with whether or not we feel like we're in control over our own lives and whether or not we feel like we can trust the situations that we don't have control over. And four, it has to do with our overall distortions of our thoughts in the first place and where they came from. Now let's break those down briefly. So our thoughts can be really powerful at times. So let's talk about our beliefs in the first place, our distorted beliefs. So if we don't believe that the world is a safe place or we don't believe that we have control over our lives then we have to consider that here's the deal we have thoughts about our thoughts feelings about our feelings thoughts about our feelings and feelings about our thoughts and the way that we start to combat the thoughts that we're having in our heads is that we take a look at the feelings that we have about those thoughts and the thoughts that we have about those thoughts the term for that is metacognition. Metacognition is our thoughts about our thoughts and our feelings about our thoughts. So if your belief is, for example, if I worry about this enough, then I will be prepared for the worst. Or perhaps your thought is thoughts and feelings are dangerous, don't have them. Okay, so we have to take a look at what do we think about those beliefs? Okay, so what do we think about the fact that if I worry enough, then I'll be prepared for the worst? I can completely relate to that statement. So what do I think about that statement? And this is where it comes in. Perhaps you've never realized that you can think about your thoughts and have feelings about your thoughts. Maybe you've never re realized that metacognition is a thing. So let's say if I worry about this thing enough, then I'll be prepared for the worst. What do I think about that statement, a statement that I carried on in my life for as long as I can remember? What I think about it now is that having that thought causes me a lot of distress. And when I worry as often as I do, I haven't actually prevented the worst thing from happening sometimes. And sometimes the worst thing that I thought I was protecting myself from was completely unrealistic and could never have happened. And what do I feel about the fact that if I worry enough, then I will be prepared for the worst is that I don't want to worry so much. I don't think that that's actually appropriate. Like I feel like worrying that much makes me feel really stressed and really anxious. Now I had to come to the conclusion that that belief of if I worry about it enough, then I'll be prepared for the worst was distorted. It was causing a lot of problems in my life. And I was able to write down, if I worry about this enough, I will be prepared for the worst. And then write down what I thought about it and write down how I felt about it. And that is one suggestion that I have for someone who, who's, who feels like their anxiety comes from a place of distorted beliefs and feeling like you have to listen to your thoughts and you have to listen to your feelings because you don't. And a lot of meditation and mindfulness activities has to do with metacognition. It's taking a moment to say, I'm going to spend 10 to 15 minutes right now and I'm gonna close my eyes and I, this is gonna be meditation and I am not going to tell myself that meditation has to be a quiet mind because it really doesn't and it is very difficult to quiet the mind. Sometimes meditation is just closing your eyes and watching all of the thoughts that you have in your mind and thinking about, wow, where did that come from? Um, or maybe you do the thinking after the fact and when you're in the meditation, you're just observing, you're just watching the thoughts go by. You know, sometimes I tell people to see your thoughts as being banners, being carried on little airplanes that are flying through your mind when your eyes are closed and just reading them just reading them and letting them pass. 
And after you're done meditating, you write down what were all of the thoughts that were in my head. And what you're doing in that moment is you are separating yourself from your thoughts and you're realizing that your anxious thoughts are not actually who you are. Because if you're capable of having thoughts about your thoughts and feelings about your thoughts, then perhaps you are those thoughts and feelings about your thoughts and not those original thoughts. And of course we can go into the multi-dimension of not being those thoughts and feelings either, but taking it a step at a time and looking at metacognition is what are your thoughts and feelings about your thoughts and feelings? And that immediately lets you step away. It immediately doesn't allow those, those initial anxious thoughts and feelings to all consume you, for you to identify with them. It allows you to take a step back and say, I wasn't born with these thoughts and feelings. I was not born with these anxious thoughts and feelings. They came from somewhere. They came from someone else that I heard. They came from an experience that I experienced. They came from my perception of future people or experiences or situations that I'm gonna find myself in. And you take a moment to say, where did these come from? Because they are not mine. I was not born with them. They are not a permanent part of me. They were developed from somewhere. So your anxious physical responses, your anxious psychological and cognitive responses came from somewhere. Now, the last part that I wanna to talk to you guys about in terms of how anxiety shows up and what anxiety is really, is what is anxiety spiritually? And a lot of people don't talk about this and I think that it's very important that I do. So it's, some of some people term it sacred anxiety or spiritual anxiety or neuroexistentialism, which is how anxiety shows up in reference to our existence. And this is super important because when we are experiencing the physical effects of anxiety, when we are experiencing the psychological and cognitive effects of anxiety, we can forget that because those physical, psychological, and cognitive experiences of anxiety were conditioned and came from somewhere and are not originally ours, we can forget that, so who are we then? Like we can forget who we really are and we can forget that the person that exists, the you that exists, the real you, the energy within you, the consciousness within you, the, the thing that's trying to help your physical symptoms, the thing in the being that's trying to help your psychological and cognitive symptoms, what is that? And we need to take a look at that. And that is your existence, the purpose and meaning of your life and how easily it can that can become lost. It is so easy for an anxious person to forget that there is a purpose and a meaning for themselves to be alive and exist on the planet at this time. It is so easy to forget that you have the ability to change someone's life, that you have the ability to change your own life, that you have meaning and purpose and all of this potential because we're so consumed and so overwhelmed and so debilitated by the physical, psychological, and cognitive aspects of anxiety. But we have to talk about spiritual anxiety and, and that's what I'm gonna do with you guys right now. Sacred anxiety, from what we know about research, this is only possible in human beings or in some primates as well, from what we've been able to determine based on certain parts of the brain that are activated based off of fMRI scans is, so sacred anxiety. This is like what happens when we feel alone in our own thoughts. When we realize that this stream of consciousness that we experience is our own and only experience when we are on this planet. You know, sometimes we can take psychedelics and we can enter into this different consciousness or that's what people will say when they take psychedelics. And so that's a separate podcast episode. But when it comes to experiencing sacred anxiety, it's realizing that your purpose and your meaning and your stream of consciousness is an individual one that yes, is in a collective consciousness, but it's something that you experience. You are the only one that experiences these symptoms internally. You are the only one that experiences these thought processes and these emotions when it comes to your anxiety. Sacred anxiety is realizing 
that you experience anxiousness in your own existence because your existence is your own. And that may be very complicated, but it's very important for you to realize. Here are some of the signs that you may be experiencing sacred anxiety. You feel panicked about your death often, and that's just related to your feelings of existence and whether or not there's purpose and meaning. So you panic about death. You feel very anxious about things that you cannot change and things that you cannot control. And so you have a hard time realizing that you are one entity and you aren't able to control and change all of the things that are outside of yourself. You feel like you'll never have a purpose in your life and that can be related to depression but it can also be existential anxiety where you feel like what is the point of my existence because it's your, the point of your existence and the point and the purpose and the meaning of your life is so below all of these other things that you experience. So it gets to the point where the anxiety is starting to affect your existence as a whole. You may feel extremely disconnected from others and that can be as a conditioned response to any trauma or past anxious experiences that you've had, but you can feel very disconnected. You can feel very isolated and as though your existence either is not affecting anyone else's existence or that your existence is not connected and again, does not have purpose or meaning. And the final one is that you may block out emotions and thoughts because you feel like they don't matter. And so you feel like your existence doesn't matter, your thoughts and feelings don't matter, your physical responses don't matter, and you start to experience existential dread and existential anxiety as it relates to feeling like, like you aren't, you don't have a soul within you. You don't have a spirit within you. You just feel like this human being on the planet that's so debilitated by their anxiety that you don't, you just lose connection with yourself, your true self, your true existence, your purpose and meaning in life. And that's something that can go really missed. Because if we haven't acknowledged our purpose and our meaning, our spirit or our consciousness for as long as we have because we've experienced such debilitating anxious symptoms, then even if we work on our physical anxiety symptoms, even if we work on our psychological and cognitive anxiety symptoms, like that's not the end of the work. That is just not the end of the work. We also have to figure out how we can exist more and thrive more and find the purpose and meaning in our lives that has been so diminished and gone and disappeared since we've been experiencing so much anxiety. So please do yourself a favor and realize that the purpose of anxiety is good. There is a good purpose for anxiety. Evolutionarily, anxiety helps to helps us. It helps protect us. There's a purpose for it and we need it. Anxiety is normal. The stigmatization around anxiety is ridiculous. And we can have anxiety, we can have disordered anxiety, and we can have an anxiety disorder that comes along with a bunch of different symptoms. Our anxiety can show up physically in a variety of different ways. It can show up psychologically and cognitively in a variety of different ways. And it can show up and does always show up spiritually, sacredly, and through neuroexistentialism. and we need to realize that. So please, if you have anxiety, if you have disordered anxiety, if you have an anxiety disorder, please work on all of these areas. Please don't forget about yourself and your existence. Please tell your therapists that you would also like to work on purpose and meaning of your life. You would also like to talk about the fact that you exist on this planet and that there are going to be anxiety provoking situations in the future and that you want coping skills and a reduction of your symptoms physically, psychologically, and cognitively, and that you also want to address how you can make the most of your existence, how you can work together with future anxious situations, and how you can work together with your consciousness to be in a place in your life ongoing and in the present and in reflection of your past where you feel like you have purpose and meaning because purpose and meaning has been scientifically proven to not only reduce symptoms of anxiety and depression and many other symptoms as well and reduce certain disorders like eating disorders and addiction, severe addiction even, that it also contributes to not experiencing those in the future. So it can reduce the symptoms and it can help prevent. It can be a coping skill. It can be an intervention, a lifelong intervention. Purpose and meaning in your life will help you reduce anxiety 
and it will help you prevent future anxiety. And those are very important. Both of those things, experiencing a reduction of your anxiety and, and, and knowing that, knowing the purpose of anxiety. If you know the purpose of anxiety, you know how to manage your anxiety symptoms and you know that you exist on this planet for a reason and that you're safe and that you can trust yourself and you can trust the meaning and purpose of your life, then you will experience less anxiety. You just will. You'll be joyful. You will trust yourself. You will be creative. You will experience pleasure. You will experience freedom. You will experience a unification and a re-regulation of all of the areas of yourself, physically, psychologically, cognitively, spiritually, interpersonally. It will help all of it. So I have a lot of coping skills for you guys in my course, What is Anxiety Really? I have specific coping skills for physical anxiety, specific coping skills for psychological and cognitive anxiety, and specific coping skills for spiritual anxiety. You can find my course at thetruthdoctor.com. You sign up for the Truth Seekers community and you have access to all of my courses. There are a bunch of different courses. The one that is based off of this specific podcast or that this specific podcast is based off of is called What is Anxiety Really? It's completely free and I encourage you guys to check it out. I also encourage you guys to check out the Instagrams that I have. One is associated with this podcast and it is called Your Unconscious is Showing. And then I also have my own personal Instagram that is the period truth period doctor. Um, and there you will get to tell me what types of episodes you want for the podcast. You will get to see posts on mental health where I talk about anxiety and neuroexistentialism. And I have an edgy way of reminding you that anxiety is normal and your mind and body are trying to protect you. And a lot of the times they don't know what the fuck they're doing in the present moment and they're based in the past. I highly encourage you to check those out. And I hope that this was helpful for you. It's a very important topic. And again, in terms of anxiety, it is normal. It can be disordered or you can have an anxiety disorder. Anxiety can be good for you and bad for you. And it can show up in a variety of different ways. My name is Dr. Courtney Tracy. I am known on social media as the truth doctor. And the truth is purpose and meaning can help anxiety in your life. Anxiety is normal. And if you have an anxiety disorder, figure out how it shows up for you and then you'll know what to do about it.